So glad y'all are here this morning. Let me open us in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for letting us be here. We thank you for your word and the truth in it. And we pray that as we study it this morning that you would give us clarity, that you'd open our hearts, that you would uh, uh, minister to us. Father, we uh, lift up those this morning that are sick, that can't be here, those that are traveling. We pray that you'd be with them, that you'd bring them back to us. Bless our time here together this morning. We pray this in Jesus' most holy and precious name. Amen. Good morning. I'm Russell Eckert. I was raised by parents who taught me right from wrong. They instilled in me uh, moral values. They took me to church regularly. On the outside, I looked like a good kid. I was respectful. I was friendly. I worked hard at everything I was assigned. But inside, I was sinful. My heart was mostly concerned about me. I would lie and cheat and steal to get what I wanted. I would disobey my parents and any other authority if it suited my desires. I was mean to my little brother and I was good at it. <laughs> I, I, was, I was devious and, and I was sneaky and I was, I was subversive so I seldom got caught. So I knew it was all wrong but since there was no consequences to me, there was no harm to it so I kept on. I was lost in sin, I was separated from God. And then when I was about 10 years old, I began to hear what the preacher was saying on Sunday mornings. I began to feel this tremendous guilt for my sin. I knew there was something wrong with me. There was something missing. And then there, there grew in me this irresistible urge during the invitation time to go down to the front of the church and confess my sins and ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. And I needed some relief from that despair that I was feeling and this darkness that was in me. I needed a savior. And so I, I remember this so vividly for several weeks, I gripped that pew back in front of me and I resisted. Um, I, there was this battle raging inside. I didn't want anybody to know how rotten and how dark I was on the inside, but there was this force that was drawing me and I, that I didn't understand, and it was drawing me with a power that I had never felt before. And finally, I couldn't stand it any longer, and, and so I let go, and I remember it to this day just like it was yesterday. I walked down that, that uh, aisle, and I, I met with Brother Les Dobbins at the front of that church, and, and I confessed my sins to him, and uh, I prayed to receive Jesus uh, as Lord of my life, and I, I told the church my decision, and soon after that, I was... I made it public through believer's baptism. And a new journey started for me at that moment. Uh, I wanted to learn more about what it meant to be a Christian and how to follow the Lord with my whole heart. And this change took place inside of me. Sin began to create a, a new guilt in me that I'd never felt before. And obedience, even though it wasn't what I wanted to do, it, it gave me this sense of accomplishment. And I had this new inner peace and, and joy and comfort that I had never experienced. And I wasn't perfect by a long shot, but I was being pointed in the right direction. And since then, that journey has continued with some times of great growth and with some times of backsliding. Um, I've had the privilege of serving in many capacities, and my God has never failed me. His Holy Spirit has never left me. Jesus' sacrifice saved me. And he can do the same for you. 
This is my personal testimony as a Christian. And that's what our lesson is about today. And so I wanted to share that with you. And I hope you see how easy that was to do. All I did was tell my story. All you have to do is briefly tell the story about how God has worked in your life um, before your salvation, the moment of your salvation, and how God has, has changed you since that time. So this morning is the fourth of ten classes on evangelism. And the, the goal of this class is to educate you on the theological truths of evangelism and to equip you and encourage you to be intentional to taking the gospel to the people around you. So I'm Russell Eckert. For those of you that don't know me, I'm an elder here. Uh, teach Sunday school class. Uh, doer of odd jobs as assigned. Um, and I do teach an adult Sunday school class. Some of y'all have been in my class. And so for those of you that haven't, I'm going to tell you uh, some, some rules in my class. Number one is there's no rhetorical questions. Um, even though I'm going to ask some questions this morning that are personal and we're not going to be able to answer in a big group. Um, number two, long periods of silence are okay. So I don't mind asking a question and, and watch you suffer until you come up with an answer. I think and I teach in very simple terms. And, what and, and one example of that is I have what I call nickel definitions for con complex concepts. Uh, for instance, um, and I call them nickel definitions because it's usually about five words because that's about all I can remember at a time. Um, so, for instance, grace is getting what you don't deserve and, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So th those are the kind of, that's kind of the way I think and that's, that's the way I teach. Um, number four, stop me anytime you have a question and I'll point you to somebody with an answer. Um, and towards the end of this lesson, I won't be rushing to finish uh, at, at the end. So, um, Last week, we, took a less, we, we, we spent some time looking at what the Bible says about the gospel. And then we looked at how the Bible defines the gospel. And then the things that we need to clearly explain as we go about sharing the good news. Do you all remember that four-part framework for delivering the gospel message? Somebody spit it out. Yep, man, God, Christ, response. So my ability to, uh, to memorize uh, and recite things is, is fairly weak. Um, but even I can remember that. Um, and this is something that, that every Christian should have on the tip of their tongue. This is something that every one of us should, should be able to recite at any moment. Um, and I suspect we're going to hear that, that, that used several more times throughout this lesson. So I want to flesh out that framework one more time. This is so important. This is something that every one of us needs to have a handle on. And so, uh, so number one, God. God created man to serve him, to love him, to live under his authority. And number two, man rebelled against God, choosing instead to, to serve and to love ourselves and to reject God's rule in our lives. The Bible does not take rebellion lightly. Uh, it calls it sin. And because God is completely good, he would be just in punishing us eternally for these sins. But yet while we were still sinners, he provided a way for us to be reconciled to him. He sent his son, number three, Jesus, into the world. And unlike us, Jesus lived a perfect life, perfect obedience to the Father. And then he died on a cross as a sacrifice for sinners. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, proving that God had accepted that sacrifice. And what Jesus accomplished on the cross, the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God is now available for anyone who would, for, respond, turn away from their sins, 
do what the Bible calls repentance and put their trust in Christ. So it's not a hard, it's not a hard story to remember. God, man, Jesus response. Get that and you've got a great start on being an evangelizer. Somebody who shares the good news, speaks the gospel message to the lost. And, and one more thing I, I want to touch on from last week. We, we kind of touched on a, a little quandary last week. Uh, th this conflict between the doctrine uh, of election and the responsibility of man. And that's one of those things that we, uh, we tend to wrestle with. It's a hard concept. It's a mystery of the faith. Uh, and I want to touch on that again. Remember, I live in a world of very simple concepts, and so I have to boil things down simply so that I can remember them. And my analysis is that God has it all under control, and he's instructed us to get to work to make it happen. Election, God has it under control, and responsibility of man, we've got to get to work. So that's how I analyze that, that whole situation, and I hope, I hope that helps you um, get a handle on that. Um, so, with that in mind, I can, I can sleep like a Calvinist and pray like an Armenian. So, as Christians, we should count it both a joy and a privilege to be given the responsibility to share the gospel. Uh, how could we not share it? This, this is bigger than any news we could ever pass on. It, it's bigger than the, the biggest news of the day about the weather, our health, sports, great meal, great book, whatever we've experienced lately, politics, the economy. Uh, the gospel is, is the one and only message in the world through which God brings souls from death to life. So it's, it's an incredibly important message. And so part of telling the gospel story is making it relatable. You know, most of the time when we're casually visiting with somebody, uh, we're talking about ourselves, we're talking about our health, we're talking about what we've been doing, what we ought to be doing, our successes, our failures, what our children are up to, and on and on and on. You know how those conversations go. And so it just makes sense that when we tell the gospel story, we should be telling it with re relation as to how it has affected us, which brings us back to our topic for today, what it means to faithfully share your personal testimony. So... What is a personal testimony? It's the story of how you came to be reconciled to God through the gospel. And so we're going to flesh this out in detail in a few minutes. But right now from the get-go, uh, I need to say this so there's not going to be any misunderstandings. Sharing your testimony in and of itself does not constitute evangelism. I'm going to say that again. Sharing your testimony in and of itself does not constitute evangelism. That story I told you a minute ago... That was not an evangelistic story. That was just the story of, of my Christian life. And so in Matthew 28, Jesus commissions Christians to go and to make disciples. In other words, we're supposed to share the gospel with them and then encourage them to accept it and then help them grow in their spiritual maturity in their relationship with God. So Jesus brings Christians into the Great Commission to tell about to tell others about what he has accomplished on the cross. Uh, this is a charge to us. This is not an option. Uh, evangelism, as we've said several times, is the act of, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we're commanded to do. So even though we're, we're dedicating an entire class to this topic, I don't want you to think that sharing your, your testimony should ever be a substitute for sharing the gospel. A personal testimony is a wonderful thing, and we should testify to the wonderful experience of receiving God's mercy. So I want, to, I want to look into the scriptures for a minute and look at some 
testimonies that were given by some people who had personal encounters with Jesus. And uh, I picked out three from the Gospel of Mark. The first one is Mark 1, beginning in, in uh, verse 40, Mark 1, 40. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. He was commanded not to, but he couldn't help himself. And then at Gerasenes, after Jesus had cast the demonic forces named Legion out of the man who lived among the tombs and, and sent him into the herd of pigs, in Mark 5, 20, he said, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. This man who had been essentially out of his mind, Jesus did a healing work in his body and told him to be quiet about it, but he went and he went and started telling everybody. And then in Mark 7, beginning in verse 32, and they brought to him, Jesus, a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers in his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looked up to heaven. And he said, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. These people could not help but tell about what Jesus had done for them and to them. They were just relating this personal experience. This physical healing or the casting out of demons or a, or a relational encounter, all of which would last no longer than their lifetimes. So, so far as we have evidence, none of them received salvation for the, these healing uh, events. It was a temporary help. But, but they were so impacted by being in the presence of Jesus and by receiving the gifts that he gave them that, he couldn't, that they could not help but go and tell others about it. So here, here's a question to ponder. What, what if they had received salvation? How much more would they have had to talk about that? Play that forward a, a little bit to Jesus' disciples who received salvation, received the Holy Spirit. What did they spend the rest of their lives doing? Telling people about it. But... The, the stories these people in Mark told, these were not evangelistic stories. They simply went and related an experience. They were just personal testimonies. They were relating their experience of being in the presence of Jesus. But again, unless the message is specifically about Jesus Christ, then, then it's not a gospel message. So our, our personal testimonies are not the gospel, but they're a testament to how the gospel has proved itself true in our lives. They're a testament to how the gospel has proved itself true in our lives. And so our testimonies can be a very effective tool for the purposes of evangelism. They're a way to open the door, to start the conversation, to build a relationship so that the sharing of the gospel can be more effective. The psalmist in, in Psalm 66, 16 says, come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. 
The the psalmist understood it. So let's look at three reasons why we should share our personal testimony. There's definitely a lot more reasons than that, but let's look at these three big reasons why we ought to reflect on our story and share it with others. Number one is to fight fear and doubt in evangelism. So it's, it's normal for us to be nervous and to be scared when we're faced with that opportunity to share the gospel. The more and more we do it, we get, we get charged and we get excited about it and, uh, and, and we love that opportunity. But when you get nervous about this, the thought of sharing the gospel with someone or, or if you really begin to doubt that, that God has the, person, the, the power to save uh, the life of this person that he's laid on your heart to talk, the gospel, talk to the gospel about, take some time to think about how God intersected your own life and how that that can be an incredibly powerful weapon in your struggle to find boldness and faith. And so, so think about this, when you have those doubts and fears and, and nervousness, what if the person that shared the gospel with you had cowered in fear and not done that? And, and then relate that to your, your position. That person who shared the gospel with you was brave enough and bold enough and cared enough to share to share the gospel with you in love. And so um, think about that the next time you feel that nervousness. And then remember how, how really lost you were without God. As Paul instruct the, instructs the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 2.12, he said, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So recall for yourself how hellbound you were how the emptiness of the world's lies gnawed at you and how your heart was cold and, and, and hard as a rock and how you were an enemy of God. Re- remember those things. Then marvel at how God saved you. Mar- marvel at how, as, as Paul continues in that passage from Ephesians, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Marvel at how he changed your trajectory, how he rescued you, how he filled you and filled that gnawing void in your life, how he forgave your sins. He broke that hard heart and replaced it with a heart of love for you, for you and for him, and he made you his friend. The truth is that if we're honest with ourselves, is that if God can save you and me, then he can save anybody, right? And by remembering that miracle and the joy of our own salvation, we're stirred to boldness in pursuing the salvation of others, and that helps us overcome that fear and doubt. So number two, the second reason we should share our personal testimonies is to encourage other Christians to share the gospel. So in a similar way, when we're encountering brothers and sisters who are struggling to be faithful in evangelism or brothers and sisters struggling with apathy towards the lost, we should share with them how we've seen God at work in our own lives and challenge them to recall God's saving and sanctifying work in theirs. Help them to remember that. And, and so, you know, it's real easy for us to talk about who we are, where we're from, what we've been doing, what kind of things we're into. But conversations among Christians should be full of testimonies about what the Lord has done in our lives, what he's doing in our lives. And, and so here's a question for you. Of all of your Christian friends, how many of them do you know their story of how they came to know the Lord? I was a little convicted when I asked myself that question. How many other people's personal testimonies do you really know? How many know your story? 
Well, you all know my story now, so I feel pretty good about that. But right here, we are all family, and we should know each other's stories. We should be intimately acquainted with how uh, each of us has come to know Christ. We should make it a point of sharing our personal testimonies with one another. We, we sh should make that point for three reasons. Number one, so, so we can know each other better. Number two, so we can encourage each other. And number three, so we can practice sharing our testimony. It'll grow our faith and it'll encourage us to share our testimony more frequently and more fervently. The third reason we should share our testimony is to steer conversations with unbelievers towards the good news and to bear witness to that truth in our lives. To, to steer unbelievers towards Christ. So even though sharing a testimony does not replace sharing the gospel, it can be an incredibly effective on-ramp in evangelism. It's a great way to move that conversation away from idle chatter with an unbeliever toward the gospel. It, it helps you build that deep and meaningful relationship with them uh, so that they will be more receptive to what you have to say about Christ. So use your testimony to jumpstart your sharing of the gospel. So to unpack this a little more, uh, let's turn to the Bible and let's let it guide our thinking. Turn with me to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John. And this is about Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. And, and let's, uh, let's start reading uh, in verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came in a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who said to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you not greater than our father Jacob? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well, drank from it himself, his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, that I will... But, the, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have said correctly, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you people say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming... And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, the disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking to a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Jump down to verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word and they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe or we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. So there's a whole lot that we can say about this passage. Jesus goes directly against societal standards of the day by willingly talking to a Samaritan woman We could talk about the way he reads this woman's heart and reveals her sin. We could talk about the way he, in mercy, holds out himself as the fountain of life. Uh, We could talk about the way he affirms God's revealed will through the nation of Israel while at the same time opening up the kingdom of God to the Gentiles. It's it's an amazing passage with a lot of depth, Um, but but more amazing is the the Jesus that that is revealed there. So let's look a little closer at this woman's response at her encounter with Jesus at this well. And so from there, we're going to come up with some guidelines for sharing our own personal testimonies with unbelievers. First of all, this woman, when she goes back to town, she testifies to others about her experience with Christ. So this woman is so astonished at what has just happened She left her water jar and ran back to town. She totally forgot what she was there supposed to be doing. She forgot to to get her water. Um, And this Jesus is omniscient. He he told her all about her hidden sins. And she's amazed at his claim of being the Messiah. And so in her response, she had to find somebody to tell. She had to tell them what Jesus has done, how he had seen into her life. She had to tell somebody what had just happened to her. And, and that's what she does. She ran, she ran back into town and the text says she goes and finds a group of people, uh, people who presumably know all about her life. And Sychar being a small town, um, you can bet that everybody knows everything about anybody and she, she is probably well known there. And so she tells them about this Jesus who she had never met before. He knew all about all of her marriages and about her many sins and where she was in life right now. And this whole scene kind of has a hurried feel. You know, she didn't, she didn't get her water, go back to town, schedule some meetings the next day and, and visit with some people. She ran back to town and immediately began to tell folks uh, who she had just met at the well. And, and so before we move to the next observation, we need to make a little application here. Sometimes it's the people we know best, the, the family members who, is, who have been with us through the tough teenage years, uh, the friends we used to party with, the coworkers who have witnessed our grumbling or our dishonesty at work before we became Christians. Sometimes it's those people, the ones who know us best, that we fear sharing our testimony and sharing the gospel with the most. 
you know, we feel like they're going to call us out, that they're going to point us out, that they're going to call us a fraud, that they don't take the changes in us seriously. And, and this is where we take cues from this woman at the well. We should not shrink back from sharing the gospel with those people who know us best. As a matter of fact, these may be the people that we should pray the most about sharing the gospel with. How amazing of a testimony would it be to explain to them God's grace and saving power and how God has changed our life and admit to them that, that we were so lost before and that as they well know, our lives were full of sin and self-destruction and self-righteousness and then to proclaim to them how Jesus changed all of that on the cross. That, that, those are probably the, the most amazing places where we get to share our testimony and where we get to share the gospel. So the second part of her response is that she doesn't just go tell him about this Jesus. She tells him to go see this Jesus. There's this guy up at the well. Y'all got to get up there. Y'all got to go, go meet this guy. And so she sends them to Jesus. So she, she testified about all that he had told her. And, and then she points him up the road to the well. Um, and, and the testimony of those Samaritans is pretty revealing because Afterwards, the texts tell us that they say to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. They experienced Jesus too and they believed. But, but we got to remember uh, in, in the middle of all of this, it is never our efforts that bring someone to salvation. We've got to remember that it, it's never our efforts that bring someone to salvation. God is the one who saves God can use our testimonies in a wonderful way. As we've seen here in John 4, he uses it to steer people to the Savior. And so unlike that, that woman at the well, we don't have the option of literally taking our friends and our family and our acquaintances to see Jesus. He, he's not physically here, so we can't physically tell them to, to run up to the well and see him. Instead, we have the charge to introduce them to Jesus through the gospel. So... Let's talk about a general framework for sharing your personal testimony. So a brief template for how to go about sharing your personal testimony has four parts to it. The, the first part is what your life was like before Christ. Remember my testimony? Talked about my childhood sins? That, that's your life before Christ. Not a place to brag about your sin. If you sinned widely or publicly, I've seen some people go overboard in this area. Or to minimize your sin, if you were saved early in childhood and, and you didn't publicly rebel as much, I've seen people go overboard in this area. But instead, it's a place to talk about where you are, were apart from Christ. No one is born a Christian. That, that being said, there's a, something keeps popping up on my Facebook feed and it the first line of it is I've been a Christian my entire life and I, I just totally skipped that I don't even bother to look at that because I know whatever he's got to say after that is false because no one is a Christian their entire life right so no one is born a Christian by God by God's grace some come to know him early um, but all of us were apart from Christ we were all enemies of God and so need to talk about this season of your life Talk about how you used to think about God or sin or Christianity. And it's in, in sharing this that the, the person or people you're sharing with will be able to relate to you and see how you too have strayed from God. And then the second part is how you came to repent of your sins and believe in the gospel. 
Remember my testimony? I held onto that pew for several weeks in a row and then I finally let go. This, this, this part uh, about where you, where you finally let go uh, and, and run to God and believe in the gospel. Again, some people have dramatic circumstances surrounding their, their conversion while others have, seem to have less dramatic uh, conversion experiences. But the point, the point is that there is a time that you turn from your sin and trusted in Christ. And that should be a very vivid point in your memory as a Christian. It, it definitely is in mine. So talk about what God did in your heart and in your life during this time. Talk about uh, to them about Christ's death and your place and his resurrection. Share, the, share with them how you turned from your sin and how you fully trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember in my, in my testimony how I talked about that, that irresistible force that was pulling me? That, that was God's Holy Spirit working on me. And, and so it's an important part of what I remember about my conversion experience. The third part is what your life has been like since knowing Christ how you are now. And so this is not a, a time to highlight how great you are, um, but instead it's a time to show them how great Christ is and how he has transformed your life. It's also an excellent time to talk with them about your, your enduring need for the gospel, the fact that you still need it to this day. N none of us as born-again Christians begin complete. We, we begin very incomplete and, and through sanctification, we grow into that, that, that person that Christ wants us to be. And so we still need the gospel every day. So take the, take the opportunity to, to dispel the false idea that Christianity is only for perfect people. Uh, tell them how Christ is still your Savior and how you still need his abundant mercy to cover you when you sin. And then the fourth part, end your testimony with how the person you're sharing with can experience the same thing. As with any gospel presentation, there must be a call to respond to Christ. If you remember at the very end of my testimony, I said, and he could do this for you too. So even giving a testimony, you plant that seed that what has happened to me is not unique to me. It can happen to you too. So it's important that when you've just shared your testimony and you're calling somebody to repentance, you, you clearly state the fact that you're not calling them to be like you. Instead, you're calling them to do what the woman at the well did. You're just calling them to, to come see Jesus. Come, come find what he has for you. Your, your testimony should point to Christ and your call to repentance should do the same. Call them to consider this Jesus who has changed your life and tell them that he can change them too. It, it's a very easy transition into the message of the gospel. I told you that I wouldn't be rushing to finish before time. Anybody got any questions? <laughs>